Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. This morning, this morning I wanted to open and have you meet Sophia Cheong. Three months ago, she posted a simple one-line update on LinkedIn, and it just went viral. She said, 357 rejections, 40 interviews, two offers later, your girl is finally a working girl. So last year, she was looking to switch industries. She's now a full-stack software engineer, but it took her 357 job applications, 40 interviews. I can't imagine. So she wrote an article recently for Fast Company, and she was trying to give hope to other people and just said, I refuse to let failures and bad experiences define me. So she gave four tips. She said, you know, as I'm searching, I I'm, I'm make a personal connection. Don't be afraid to ask for feedback. Take breaks and don't give up. And that's, that's just some good stuff for life right there, right? And since the pandemic, more people than ever have been changing jobs, leaving jobs, realizing the priorities they want, flexibility. And so there's a lot of rejection out there until you find the right fit. But that's not the only type of rejection we get. You know, we've all applied for things or auditioned for things or you wanted to get the grant proposal or you wanted to apply to a certain grad school that you didn't get into. There's a lot of times we get rejected, but perhaps the most burdensome is when it's personal rejection. Yeah, social rejection, people would call it. Family, friends, when those, when those relationships are strained, when, when a relationship breaks up, those cut to the core, don't they? And in fact, studies for the last two decades have concluded that they looked at brain MRIs, and I want to show a picture on the screen. Hopefully you can see the very top two show social rejection, and the bottom two show physical pain. And if you look, the same distress shows up in the same part of the brain, so that when you are rejected socially, you feel distress in the dorsal anterior cingulate cortex. And the same thing when you feel physical pain. Your brain is reacting with that harm. So when we face rejection, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And today, Jesus, he warned his followers that they were going to be rejected. And that was a big, it was a big thing. So let's see what he said to them, how they coped, and what Jesus did as he helped his disciples work through this rejection. We're in Luke 10 today. We are still in our journey of the redeemed, and it's the final time we'll have our strengthen the feeble, steady the knees segment. We'll move on to a new chapter next week. And ever, ever since this year began, we have been in this section where we realize that Jesus is taking his followers and he keeps taking them deeper and deeper in their journey. He's trying to say, this is what it means to follow me. And this, here today, he's sending out a whole new group of followers. Let's go to Luke verse, chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 for us. 
After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating, drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Okay, we have some interesting instructions here. Remember back in Luke 9, Jesus had already commissioned the 12 disciples, the ones who would become the apostles. Remember we said he has this core group. He's been really mentoring because he said, you, you're going to lead the church, going to need some extra time with you. They've gone out and done this mission already once before. And now he's saying a 72 disciples. So we've got a bigger group here. And if you recall, we've, we've heard some other people interacting and being followers of him. And that included men as well as women, which was very important and distinction in his ministry, in the culture of his day. Now, one interesting part of the fact, like 72, that's a, that's a cool number. Uh, I really love there's a connection. There's always these cool connections. We just read these numbers and then you find out like, oh, In the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 11, God had talked to Moses, had this conversation. Moses was leading God's people, and he was like, God, this is a lot. (laughs) This is a lot. He's just real honest with God. I need some help. And God said, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come into the tent of meeting I will come down and speak to you there. I will take some of the power of the spirit that's on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you. So you don't have to carry it alone. And then two other guys who were elders but weren't even at that meeting, they got the spirit. They came back to the camp and they had the spirit also. It was like 72. Pretty cool, huh? But I love this because Moses was like, I can't do it on my own. But as we can see, it's not just Jesus' idea. God's always, his idea has always been, we're connected together and we don't do life alone. Whether in the great times or the burdens that we carry. Moses needed help and God provided. And the spirit that we talk about, Jesus gave the spirit to these disciples to empower them. It was God's power working. The same power that Jesus had been working in, ministering in, healing in. That's from God's spirit. And he gave it freely to human beings, failed, messed up, just regular human beings. It happened in the Old Testament, and here it's happening again. And I'm sure, you know, Jesus was human. It's probably nice to share the burden too. But also God keeps inviting people in. He's like, Jesus was on earth. And he didn't hold on to that ministry just for himself, for celebrity status, to make himself greater in any personal sense. He said, we're all in this. And he knew he wasn't going to be around for much longer. He needed people to take on this ministry. 
and keep it going. Notice that these 72, it says they went out two by two. Maybe a little, maybe a little arc reference for you all. But also, that's just nice for safety. But look at this. Deuteronomy 19.15 says, One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of crime or an offense. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So even though they're not committing a crime, they're going out. You know, people are like, okay, it's not just one person telling you something about Jesus. They're going into these towns. They're saying, look at what God's kingdom is all about. Meet this Jesus. Here's my experience with him. And they go in twos. Be like, look, there's just, there's more than one of us corroborating this testimony here. Now, you may have heard of the metaphor of the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But just like Jesus had told the 12 before, he tells them again, don't take things with you. Don't take extra food. You're going to rely on other people. Don't take money with you. That's, that's a scary concept to go out, and that's a vulnerable concept. But Jesus, again, he's not just inviting the 72. He's saying, when you go into the villages, you're also inviting other people to offer you housing, food, More and more people are being invited into God's kingdom because they don't do it alone. That takes vulnerability. These 72 are like, okay, got to trust. God's going to provide. They weren't supposed to bounce around from house to house like, oh, I got a better offer. Like that person has a really cool sleeping space. No, he's like, okay, if somebody offers and you stay there, that's your base of ministry for this town. And you preach there and you teach people and you invite people in and you bring peace. The focus is peace. Now, when he says, don't stop and talk to people on the street, that's interesting. There's a sense of urgency here. The focus about this peace, let's read what happens when that peace is not received. Verse 8 says, when you enter a town and are welcome to eat what is offered to you. Jesus is bringing up food. You know, we got this love language. I keep talking about this. Me and Jesus, we like the food. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Isn't that a powerful statement? When they are invited in and he's teaching, then the healing comes as part of this relationship. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So now we're going to get into some some woes. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Okay, Jesus is being real honest. He's talking to the followers here. So they're not even, they haven't even gone out yet. And he's saying, not everybody's going to like what you say. Not everybody's going to receive you with peace. But he's like, it's not you, it's me. It's a nice breakup statement, right? It's 
not you, it's me. But Jesus said, like, that is what is true. They are rejecting the message of God's kingdom. Jesus was saying God came for redemption. This ancient and eternal plan encompasses not just the Jewish people, but everyone. And he keeps trying to spread this message wider and wider. And not everyone's going to agree with this. So they weren't supposed to stick around and yell and debate and just keep going after the people who didn't accept this message. They were supposed to move on. Because there's an urgency. Jesus is like trying to get the word out and out and out. But they're not, remember last week they were like, well, if people reject us, can we call down fire from heaven? That'd be really cool. Like, Jesus is like, we're not destroying them. Because, because there's seeds planted. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. People have been planting seeds about God's kingdom, and they're going to go out and, and see that people's hearts are ready. But even in the places where people don't accept their peace right now, seeds are being planted. And maybe at some point, they will grow. Even if they say no now, maybe, just maybe, they'll say yes later. But this shaking of the dust, it's this, this symbol that they were just saying, you're not, you're not listening. And the reason for this urgency is that while they didn't want peace with their neighbors, the Samaritans who weren't fully Jewish, they didn't really want peace with Rome because they were occupying them. They were the enemies. But Jesus knew that if they kept on this way, there's some things that are going to happen. There's some things that are going to happen. In 70 AD, Rome is, is going to invade. And people will be destroyed. This region of Israel will be, it'll be no longer theirs. So Jesus knew the urgency of getting out this message to say, peace with God, peace internally. Try to make peace with one another. These cities that he mentions, Bethsaida, Capernaum, these are cities where the disciples are going about, and he's comparing them to Sodom and Tyre and Sidon. Now these, if you look, cities are in the Old Testament and today uh, in the country of Lebanon. But they had been punished in the past because of the way they had treated God's people. These cities had made bad choices, and they were given punishment as a result. So the Jewish people hearing these words would be like, oh yeah, those are the bad guys, right? So if you would have heard these, they're like, oh yeah, they got what was coming to them, right? But Jesus is trying to say, look, you are God's people, but that doesn't get you off the hook from behaving like God's people. He wants them to look internally, to be like, it's not about those people and then you. It's about everyone looking at God's message and saying, are you are you in? Are you acting like it? Are you showing God's grace to the people around you? Do you really want them to be saved or you want them to be destroyed? Jesus is like, I came to redeem everyone. And so he's trying to get them to look inside of themselves. Just the same. Just the same as they're looking outwardly. That's something we all got to do, right? We can all take a moment a few moments to check inside. I'm trying to, let me, let me put this into like a, a modern concept of like a us versus them. Here in the U.S., if you've been keeping up, maybe you've been a little bit frustrated with the Olympics right now, right? So number one, we have 
a diplomatic boycott because of the way China treats people. We have Russia cheating again. And so we've got these enemies, right? We can even hear personal stories from our own Echo Church missionaries in Venezuela and Myanmar. And we hear them say, these governments are corrupt. They are treating people badly. They are, the resources are scarce. They're using violence. So the, we can see some clear enemies, right? But just as easily, we need to look internally. Are we acting in a way that's being an enemy? Are we promoting peace? Are we trying to build up or tear down? And here in the U.S., we're not flawless, historically or presently. We see how sometimes we have this us versus them. So we can do it today, too. So that's why God's call, Jesus' call to, like, look in. We're all going to be looked at by God on our own. No matter where we live, we are going to be called to account. And you know what's really great? That these, these places, Tyre and Sidon, later in the book of Acts, Paul goes and he visits these cities. And it says that there were believers there. There were disciples. Just because they were considered other or the enemy or been punished in the past. Seeds had been planted. There was a harvest. People were believing in Jesus there. In the same way, we have our friends in Venezuela and Myanmar. We know friends in Russia and China. And there's, there's people who believe in Jesus there. Seeds are planted. A harvest is ready. We get to be part of that here in the U.S., and we get to be a part of helping Jesus' message thrive, no matter the situation. All right, let's finish up our passage today. We are now down to verse 17. So the 72, they, go, they went out. Time passes, and now they have returned back to tell Jesus all about it. They're full of joy, it says. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Pause. Do you remember last week? What did they have a problem with? A dad brought his son and said, your disciples couldn't bring out this demon. Okay, so whatever Jesus talked to them about then, it's working now, right? They're figuring it out. They're relying on God's spirit, not their own personal pride. Then Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus is like, that's the focus. I'm glad you're doing the things and you're following my spirit and you're, you're doing the things now. But rejoice in the fact that, that you're spreading the good news and that you know me. At the same time, Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And he said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned. You've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. No one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. He turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. They wanted to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. 
So I love this verse because sometimes, sometimes we think of Jesus, do you just picture him very solemn? Like he's a serious man. I just love it. He's like full of joy. There's a smile on his face. And it says that he's full of the spirit. And again, we are seeing in writing this connection between it says the son knows the father. The son has the spirit. God, God is demonstrating connectivity. God is connected in three parts. Doesn't carry burdens alone. Father, son, and spirit. Now the mention here, when Jesus talks about Satan, the translation is the word accuser. And that that accusation, you can feel that, right? That's when we feel rejected, when we're like accused of saying things we didn't mean. Or we feel rejected because we feel accused of lies or falsehoods, accused of not being worthy of God's love. And Jesus says, he's giving hope. He's saying that's not going to last. You're going to trample it just like you trample a snake or get rid of a scorpion. We believe that's a metaphor. There's a few people in random places like in Kentucky where I'm from that might try to hold on to snakes. That's not the point here. Metaphors, guys. Metaphors. So when Jesus came to earth, why he's going to Jerusalem to die, he wants, he's ready to defeat evil, rejection, death. In verse 23, Jesus said, these disciples, they were blessed. He's looking at them and saying, this time of God's kingdom is different than anything that's come before. You're getting to interact with God face to face. He's like so many prophets wanted to see this. You know, they preached a God they could not see. And he's looking at his, this group and saying, you are blessed. You get to see me. You get to see and be part of God's plan. We're blessed if we're here today. Someone has told us about Jesus. And we get to be part of the plan. And that reminder is what keeps us going when we face rejection, when we talk to people who don't know why we care about Jesus, we can be reminded that, that we, we're part of something, that we're blessed. Another person who wrote about rejection last year is a freelance writer named Raj Nani. Tani, sorry. Raj spent all of 2021 trying to get a book proposal picked up. And on his quest... He was writing for the Harvard Business Review, and he was interviewing lots of people, and he interviewed two professors and a former editor, Rob Cross, Dana Greenberg, Karen Dillon. And he discovered that how to deal with this rejection, one of the keys is by cultivating resilience. And they concluded in their research, resilience is not an individual characteristic. It's heavily enabled by strong relationships and networks. We can nurture and build our resilience by having a wide variety of interactions with people in our personal and professional lives. People in our support systems can provide empathy or simply help us laugh and bolster our resilience by shifting perspective, reminding us we're not alone in the fight. In short, resilience is not something you need to find deep inside ourselves. We can actually become more resilient by connecting with others 
in our most challenging times. Isn't that what Jesus was already doing way back in the day? He was sending them out together in pairs. He was looking at them and saying, you will face rejection. But they were meant to be together and also have the Spirit with them. So they weren't alone. He was helping them already prepare, become resilient. How do we live? Every week we keep looking and we're like, okay, so we've read this ancient story. What does that mean to us? We believe there was a man named Jesus who lived, who was God. If so, then we know we're going to be rejected in some form. So we cope with rejection by cultivating resilience. Yes, at some times it might be more obvious than others. You might have family members that don't understand why you go to church on Sundays. You might have friends who just don't, they don't get it. Or there's just too much darkness in the world and they can't understand why you still hope for the light. You might face other people who claim to be Christians too, and they still look at you and say, if you love Jesus, why do you act that way? People didn't understand Jesus or his followers either. The things that they chose to do looked different than what they were doing. That's why Jesus and his followers were rejected. But when we're rejected, that we find that resilience in one another. That's why church is important. You know, when we're rejected, we can come back here and we can check in. We can ask, was I speaking truth? God's truth? Did my actions look like Jesus in that moment? Was I following the Spirit's guidance or was that my own? Like, we can ask one another these questions and honestly look for answers. Because that's that introspection and we, we can help one another be accountable and just be like, was, was that right, guys? And if it's not, then we got things to fix. That's okay. We can do that together. But if those line up and people are like, yes, yes, I believe. That feels, that feels biblical. That feels like a godly thing for you to have done. Then we just remember what Jesus said. It's not you. It's me. And we, we try to move past the pain and brush off dust and keep going. It's helpful to do that together, isn't it? But we're going to keep planting seeds and we're going to keep trying to look for the harvest. Because Jesus promised that it's out there. That there's people who've planted seeds long before we've come along. And it takes vulnerability to go out and put yourself out there knowing that rejection might be the response. Like those 72 disciples, that was vulnerable. That doesn't, that can be uncomfortable. But that's what we're trying to do. That's what we try to do. And we have each other. And so then we can plant seeds and and go out into the harvest and connect with others and be resilient together. It's not easy. But that's why it's a journey. It's nice to know we're not alone. Will you pray with me? Thank you, God, for demonstrating here on earth, coming to earth and being vulnerable, coming to earth and living a life that we can imitate, coming to earth and asking for humans to be involved in all of this, 
Thanks for wanting us to be part of your kingdom, for wanting us to be the one who gets to speak about you and share about you and live like you. You've given us some things to do as followers of you. Thanks for trusting us and help us to keep going. Give us, give us each other and reminders that it's worth it. When we're rejected, it's worth it on the beautiful, joyful days too. We love you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us together and showing us that together we can be resilient in you. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.